0: guide me, O thou, great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land, this barren land, I Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I, till I want no more. Songs of praises, songs of praises, I will ever give to thee. Hallelujah! Songs of praises, I will ever.
2: 10th 10th chapter of Acts, verses one through 33. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people, and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon, at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord, he answered, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served with him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven open and something like a large sheet coming down being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again, a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now, while Peter was greatly puzzled by what to make of the vision that he had seen, Suddenly, the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. They called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, look, three men are searching for you Now get up, go down, and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them." So Peter went down to the men and said, "'I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming?' They answered, "'Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who was well spoken by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging. The next day he got up and went with them and some of the believers from Joppa accompanied him. The following day they came to Caesarea Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. On Peter's arrival, Cornelius met him, and falling at his feet, worshipped him. Stand up, Peter said, I am only a mortal. And as they talked to him, he went in and found that many had assembled, and he said to them, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius replied. Four days ago at this very hour at three o'clock, I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner by the sea. Therefore, I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. The word of the Lord. More love,
3: more love, the heavens are blessing, the angels are calling. Hosanna, more love More love, more love The heavens are blessing The angels are calling Hosanna, more love If ye love not each other In daily communion How can ye love God Whom ye have not seen If ye love not each other in daily communion,
2: how can ye
3: love God whom ye have not seen? More love, more love. The heavens are blessing, the angels are calling. Hosanna, more love, more love. Hosanna, oh, a more love If you love not each other in daily communion how can you love God whom we have not seen If you love not each other in daily communion How can you love God whom ye have not seen? More love, more love. The heavens are blessing, the angels are calling. Hosanna! More love, more love, more love. The heavens are blessing, the angels are calling. Hosanna! More love. Love God whom ye have not seen. If ye love not each other in daily communion, how can ye love God whom ye have not seen? More love, more love, the heavens are blessing, the angels are calling. Hosanna more love, more love, more love. The heavens are blessing, the angels are calling. Hosanna
1: more love. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Judy. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Today concludes our five-week series of I've Been Meaning to Ask. We started out with where are you from, and which we learned as a community needed reframing to be more culturally aware. And that a a better question is, tell me about your people, your culture, and what you value. And then we moved to where does it hurt, and what do you need? And we end today with the question, where do we go from here? Last week, we spent time with Job and his three best friends who sat with him in his time of need for seven days. They mourned together and cried together in silence for a full week. But there comes a point after hearing the hurt and need of another, after being together in compassion and care that we face the question together of where do we go from here? In our scripture today from Acts, we find Peter, the apostle, living into that same question. The betrayal of Jesus, followed by Peter's own denial of Jesus, and then Jesus's brutal crucifixion and death has happened. The disciples and those who loved Jesus have grieved Their worlds have been turned upside down. In these moments, the disciples have been deep in the questions of where does it hurt? And what do you need as they ministered to one another? And as they wrestled with these questions, they also witnessed miracles. Jesus has appeared to Mary in the empty tomb, affirming her dignity, her personhood. Her belovedness. Jesus has been present to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, affirming that wherever we go, Jesus walks with us. Jesus was with the disciples in the upper room, affirming that He will come to us even in our unbelief. Each time He appeared, He reaffirmed His fundamental message of love and hope and justice and peace. This was the truth of the good news he had shared with the disciples and Peter while he was alive in body, that their need is real and can be met in turning toward God. And so now these followers of Jesus recognize that a new chapter has begun post-resurrection. The Holy Spirit has inaugurated a new way of being community. There is a sense of opening and unfolding and the operative question is still, where do we go from here? Can you relate? Have you had a moment when you realize that you've either cried all the tears you want to cry or cried all the tears you have to cry? Have you had moments where you look up from the dust and the ashes and see glimpses of the sun that beckons? Or maybe you just have a sense that it's time to take the next step. These are holy moments. These are moments of conscious reorientation to a new future that God is calling us into. I believe we are all in one of those moments right now, as we emerge into a new post-pandemic reality, though, of course, I realize we're still struggling with the vestiges of the virus. But still, after 19 months, we have to ask, where do we go from here? For Peter and for us, this moment is more than just a reorientation and an emergence into a new chapter. Throughout the first part of the book of Acts, we encounter a Peter who seems a bit frantic in his zeal. He seems to need to prove not just his worth, but his basic goodness. He knows what he's done. He knows he has denied Jesus as predicted three times. In Jesus' most dire time of need, Peter deserted him. And now in this post-resurrection moment, we see a Peter in need of making up for his failure. We see a Peter searching for redemption. What is redemption? Is it simply achieving release from guilt? Well, that's a a byproduct, maybe. But let's look again at the scripture. As the scripture opens, we meet Cornelius, a Gentile and a Roman. Cornelius is described as a man who honors God, who has a strong habit of praying, and who gives generously to those in need. In a dream, Peter is... Uh, Cornelius is told to send for Peter, and to listen to what he has to say. Cornelius, a Gentile, Peter, a Jew. So Cornelius dispatches three of his soldiers to find Peter and bring him back. And at the same time, Peter, who's about a day's journey away from Cornelius, goes up to his own roof to pray. The scripture tells us that when he goes up to the roof, he's hungry. And as he prays, Peter, too, has a vision. In it, animals and fowl that are forbidden to be eaten by Jewish law appear to him, and a voice tells him to eat them. Well, Peter, of course, protests. But the voice insists, what God has made clean, you must not deem unclean. This last Thursday, Susan Jardin, our Director of Family Ministries and Older Adult Ministries and I had the rare opportunity to walk up to Shattuck together for some lunch. I had a a free lunch award for my birthday from the restaurant Vitality Bowls. You know how when you you have these apps, they'll give you free things if it's your birthday, so I'm not gonna pass up a free lunch. So this was my excuse to invite Susan for a walk. Uh, As we headed up there, we, we got into deep discussions about various plans we have for Epworth, and we got kind of lost in our conversation, and we got almost all the way to university, and we realized we hadn't seen the Vitality Bowls. So after some Googling and some searching, we discovered that it had been closed during the pandemic. So we decided to go to the soup counter in the food court, you know, closer to Shattuck and Vine. I'm sure you, you've seen that if you're, if you're here in Berkeley. Um, and we, you know, we were looking forward to the many delicious selections of soup they have there. And we, we walked into the, the food court and we, we discovered that that too had been closed during the pandemic. So as we were considering where to try next, A woman came out of a side door in the food court and greeted us. She was wearing a name badge, so at first I thought she worked in the food court. But as we greeted her in return, I saw that her name was Brenda, and her badge identified her as a vendor of Street Spirit, the newspaper written for and by unhoused persons in the East Bay. She asked for a donation to get something to eat, and Susan Fortunately, had cash and reached into her purse and gave Brenda some money. We wished Brenda well and were about to turn away when she became more urgent and asked us to follow her to the street where she could sit down and get street spirit out of her bag. And as we walked, Brenda started explaining that she had put down her bag just outside the door in order to go into the bathroom inside the the food court and wash. I only get a few minutes, she said, and described how the public bathroom off the food court was the only place she could wash. And she kept saying, I'm not dirty, I'm not dirty. I wasn't sure what the best way to respond was, and and so I kept saying, that's right, and you're not dirty, no, you're not dirty. Susan and I were agreeing with her, but she kept repeating her story. So I felt like she needed something else. Somehow our responses weren't fully connecting or meeting her need. And so I said, that's right, you're clean. And she stopped. She looked at us again, and with more confidence this time said, I'm not dirty. I realized in that moment that I wanted her to say more than just that she wasn't dirty, but to say, I'm clean. I thought about my own shower that morning, how it had been routine, not in any way remarkable or connected for me to my sense of being acceptable or my dignity or whether or not I'm fundamentally okay. But Brenda reminded me that for some of us being able to be clean is not something to be taken for granted. To be able to wash, to have safety and security, to do so regularly and without being rushed. To care for oneself in this fundamental way is a basic of human dignity that everyone deserves. To be able to affirm with God that we are clean. For Peter, The basic question of whether one was clean or not was connected to Jewish ritual purity laws. Ironically, in Peter's zeal to redeem himself, to show himself as a true follower of Jesus post-resurrection, Peter was likely even more rigid about these rules of what is clean and what is unclean. But then he has a vision. And he hears the message: what God has made clean, you must not make unclean. Now, remember, the soldiers of Cornelius are looking for Peter. They find Peter and they tell him that Cornelius had his own vision to send for him and hear what he has to say. So Peter goes back with the men to Cornelius. And when they arrive at the home of Cornelius, Cornelius falls at Peter's feet and worships him. And Peter responds, please stand up. I'm only a man, just like you. Wow. Does that surprise you? This is a different Peter. This isn't the same Peter wrapped up in ego, who wants to be the best disciple, who wanted to build a monument at the top of Mount Horeb at the transfiguration when Jesus appeared with, uh, with Moses and Elijah, who, who even asked Jesus post-resurrection, Jesus, do you love me the most? This is a Peter who understands himself to be one among many, a human like any other capable of great love but also capable of great harm a person in need of god's grace and mercy in every moment he finally understands that it is up to god to say who is clean who is worthy and in god's eyes all are worthy this is a moment of humility and this is the moment that we understand Peter's redemption. By understanding himself as one among many, not better or worse, but human, someone with needs, someone who makes mistakes, someone who is striving to know God, Peter makes sense of his own story. He recognizes that everyone deserves dignity that everyone has worth, that everyone is clean. He realizes in that moment that in every moment in in his early days with Jesus, even in his denial, through the resurrection up to that present moment, he has lived in God's grace and been blessed by God's mercy, just like everyone else. Peter then goes on to speak the words that Cornelius has been asked to hear. You know, Peter says, I, I'm sure this is highly irregular. Jews just don't do this. Visit and relax with people of, of other, another race. But God has just shown me that no race, no person is better than any other. It's God's own truth, Peter said. Nothing could be plainer says Peter. God plays no favorites. There is no partiality based on who you are or where you're from. If you want God, and if you're ready to give control over to God, the door is open. The message God sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again, well, God's doing it everywhere among everyone, for everyone. Back to Thursday. As Susan and I said goodbye to Brenda, she hugged each of us. And I was so grateful to sense um, hope and peace in that hug. And I wondered if Brenda would have moved toward us and hug if she hadn't felt clean. Brenda named Susan mama, me daughter, and herself friend, a new community. Each of us with different challenges and different privileges, to be sure. But all of us trying to answer where we go from here in this post-pandemic world forging ahead by reaching out, by stating our need, by responding to need, by risking connection. Redemption happens in community. In community, we recognize ourselves and the other. We can forgive and be forgiven to know that we all live in God's grace and God's mercy, and in letting go, we move forward together, released, worthy, made new, human, honored, loved. Amen.
4: There's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea.
1: Have a great week. Lead me, guide
5: me along the way.